This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Hi, yes, episode 41 of Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley on, well, he's on with us via satellite today. So, with our big stick. Hey there. Hey, good afternoon. <laughs> you know, our technology is getting better and better. It's more expensive, too, but, you know, that's okay. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you sound crystal clear. I like the way this sounds. So. Oh, well, good. Yeah. yeah happy to hear. So, that, that's good stuff, you know. And, you know, it's going to be a full moon this week, so the, uh, the little moonisms <laughs> haven't started affecting us. But uh, Well, we always have a little craziness on the program. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Episode 41. Um, the uh, the episode 40 with the Otes was uh, very well received, very uh, you know, listened to uh, in great length by a lot of folks. We're glad they enjoyed that one, or at least listened to it. Whether they enjoyed it or not is another thing, but uh, we do appreciate the fact that they uh, listened. And uh, this portion of the podcast sponsored by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. Now offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. So, Mike, uh, before we get to our guest, uh, boy, the Orioles, eight in a row now, huh? Yeah, I I tell you what, it's just not about the eight in a row. It's about all the other wins this year that they've had and also the fact that in over half of their losses, they've lost by two runs or less. But it's it's about the development of the younger guys. But you're right, when you see something like that, when you see that they're just two games out of the wild card as we speak and one game uh, uh, from being a 500 team, it shows you that they're turning the page. And again, they did quite an overhaul uh, with uh, their organization or with the organization uh, just a couple of years ago under Mike Elias in, in late 2018. And he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been on the job all that long and realized 2020 was a COVID, uh, a COVID year, a shortened regular season and no minor league season. And that's uh, how the bulk of the team's going to be made up. The major league roster is development through the minor leagues. So, yeah, it, it's a long time coming. We're happy to see it. And uh, hopefully there's plenty more. But this second half of the season should be very exciting. I think I'm going to go to my first Orioles Orioles game in about four or five years on the uh, 7th of August is my thinking. And then I'll go watch the lowly Nats. The boy is requested to go see the Nats on the 14th as well before he heads back to uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, speaking of Virginia Tech, uh, you know, we have a, uh, an announcement we'll be talking. Matt Griffith's going to be our guest uh, today from Easton High School, and uh, his Kevin O'Connor announced uh, last week that he is going to be attending Duke University. And uh, from all the uh, schools that offered him, uh, he'll join Luke Murgott there uh, this uh, next year. Uh, Murgot plays for Decatur, so uh, good stuff there. A little disappointed he didn't go Virginia Tech, but it, <laughs> it, it was his decision. Uh, but I just bought uh, today, I just bought my tickets for the University of Alabama against Vandy on September 24th. So, um, yeah, looking forward to getting back into the college football season as well. All right. Well, a little lighter in the wallet then, too, though. I, I can uh, I can only assume with those kind of tickets. Well, so. I bought upper level. So, you know, they, okay. they, they were $51 for an upper, upper level seat. Uh, okay. Then they sock you with the $13.45 fee plus another $1.50 fee, um, you know, just for good riddance. So it's about 65 66 bucks a ticket. And, oh, by the way, the daughter asked that I buy a boyfriend a ticket as well, one that I oh, haven't oh, even met a- yet. 
Oh, there's a boyfriend now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, well, make him fit the bill. Well, you she, know? That's she's, what the bill, I should she's say. already told me that uh, he will pay me back. And I'm like, you're damn right he will. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. So, well, you have not met him yet. I mean, we could do an entire show just on that, by the way. Oh, my friend, you are not lying. But wait till I meet him and we can talk about it when I come back. We might have we might have a special podcast just for that one. <laughs> so, well, I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I tell you what. Uh, why don't we bring on our guest? We'll talk to Matt Griffith coming up next here. Time out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hi folks, David Wilson Jr. of the Preston Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. This portion of the podcast sponsored by our friends at Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com. Mark Potter, Mike Bragley, and uh, Matt Griffith from Easton High School. Hi there. Hey, Mark, Mike. How are you guys today? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing all right. So uh, this has been, we've had Griffith on before because he announced he came out of retirement, um, you know, and, and Sofanowski came out of retirement as well. Sofanowski back at Ken Island, Griffith at Easton, and Donnie Grafe came out of retirement. Matter of fact, uh, he's our planned guest for next week. Um, Good. Yeah, Good. and uh, you know, he came out of retirement, not to go back to Queen Anne's, but instead went back to, <laughs> he went to Ken Island. So uh, a little shock there. I'm looking forward to talking to him about that thought process and all. But, you know, Griffith came in with some more breaking news today. That's kind of old news if you listen regularly. But if you don't, <laughs> he, he's got some more unretirement news. I figure we might as well just, you know, keep the trend and uh, get somebody else out of retirement to, to join up on my staff since, you know, Ken Allen and Decatur have all this football experience with all these coaches coming back and, Unfortunately for us, you know, Bob Lincolns, who had coached our JV for the last couple of years, was not going to be able to come back as a head coach, but wanted to still stay on staff. And you know, we started looking, and I, you know, I was trying to find that list of you know those million dollar coaches that were out there, and I came across Mark Potter. Yeah, on the ten dollar list. <laughs> so no, you know, it's uh, it's great. Uh, Mark's going to be back uh, coaching on the sidelines at the high school level where he did successfully for so many years over at North Carolina, and joining the East football staff and he's going to be the head JV football coach for me this coming year. I'm going to be a pumpkin head, Matt, uh, Mike. I yeah, I, I was just going to say, indeed. Now, I'm, I'm just really curious, uh, Matt, how is that transition going to go for him from the wing tee to a spread offense? That is quite a 180 he'll be doing. It is. He keeps asking me about belly and guard trap. I keep showing him the playbook, and it's not there. But so, you know. no, it's. Uh, He'll it's, show me a play, Mike, and I'll say, "Oh, that's one twenty-one sweep." He says, "No, it's not. Shut up." <laughs> not in our playbook. It's not anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, that's right. It's funny. You, you, the similarities. You know, they're so far apart, but yet there's so many things that are the same when you start breaking the play down from, you know, the offensive linemen and how they're blocking. You know, we do some other things just besides zone read, where you get, you know, a, you know, a block down kick out, which is 
what the wing T is really based off of. So there's some similarities there, but he's picked it up quite well thus far, and he's doing his uh, his studying because I'll get these random text messages about questions of plays and calls and different things at the most random hours. <laughs> so, you know, when you can't <laughs> sleep at 2.30 in the morning, who knew that Griffith would be up at that time, you know? So he's probably getting up to go into the bathroom or something. But, you know, it's funny you bring up the playbook, Mike, because, I mean, I kind of would expect that's where you would go because you're yep. an X's and O's guy. So I'm thinking if you can finally get free, okay, maybe you can come out and you can call a couple of players with me. <laughs> well, maybe. We'll see about that. That, that would be cool. If you're scared, uh, I, say you're scared. I mean, you know, it, it's your dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I got to do a little bit of that when I coached at Calvert Hall. Coach Robinson, uh, who was the head coach, was also the offensive coordinator. But uh, to his credit, at times in games, uh, he let me call some plays. And I always talk about the fact that there were, I think, on two instances where I had called a play and the uh, the receiver, and I think it was actually a, an H-back, we have really good hands, out of the backfield twice on a snake route, dropped the ball. And I said, I'll never get to be a full-time OC, Joe. <laughs> if uh, And Joe was a really good player for us, Joe Brown. I said, Joe, I'll never get to call plays to be a true OC if you keep dropping the ball on me every time I call a play uh, like that. And uh, so we, we had a laugh about that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, hey, I tell you, I mean, uh, and obviously Matt can speak to it as well, uh, but there is something to be said for, for play calling. It is not easy. And there's, a, there's an art and a science to it. Well, I had a good teacher, and, you know, when Griffith asked me, there were a couple of things. You know, one, I reached out immediately to James McCormick um, just, to, just to let him know that the position had been offered to me because I have so much respect for James, and, you know, there wasn't a position for me there anymore, so it's not like I was going back. And I honestly, I thought I was done coaching football. Um, you know, I love the sport, and, and I enjoyed coaching it. My thing that I hated the most about football is – you know, August 10th to September, well, this year it'd be August 10th to August 30th. You know, it's it's the summer. It's the, you know, it's the buildup. But it's also the most exciting part because as a JV coach, you're teaching these kids fundamentals and you're you're helping them transition into being men in high school, you know, you know student athletes. And, and that's the exciting part. And, and that's what's got me excited. But the other part that I had to do is I had to check with the wife. And, uh, you know, so Griffith's frowning right now because when I check with the wife, my vacation is scheduled August 20th through August 28th. That's a Saturday through a Sunday for a whole week. Um, thus you're going to be doing the uh, preview show for Overtime Live by yourself that way. And, uh, you know, that's two scrimmages as well for Easton High School. And... Uh, so I talked to the wife. She goes, I don't care if you do it, just as long as I still get my vacation. So um, I told Griffith, I said, I can, st- I can still coach, but I'm not going to be there from the 20th through the 28th. And he goes, oh, we'll work it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I did was uh, I actually, we, we're still going camping on the vacation that week, but uh, I'm going to delay my trip a day. And uh, instead of leaving on the 19th that night, uh, I'm actually going to leave from 
the high school across the bridge because I see, Coach, it's not on our schedule, so it must be a hidden scrimmage. Well, we're, we're not publicizing it. <laughs> we're going to be at Bethesda Chevy Chase, <laughs> one of those facilities over there, and, and it's uh, it's, a, uh, it's a quad scrimmage. So there's multiple teams. There's Springbrook's going to be there. Parkdale's going to be there. Oh, nothing, no, ass whoopings. <laughs> nice, thanks. <laughs> nothing better to you know wetten your beak a little bit with those teams there across the bridge in uh, D.C. So no, but it, it'll be Bethesda Chevy Chase, and you know, you know, Mikey said that as long as they kept their vacation, he's already made one change. So, you know, he's kind of pushing it yeah. and making some uh, amendments per the contract. Yeah, I signed. was going to say, though, you're, you're being very accommodating. They're very accommodating. But, you know, I, I know that it's not easy to find coaches, so you do what you have to do. But, uh, yeah, well, uh, well, uh, don't worry. I'll make sure that I stay on top of them, Coach. Yeah. So, so, so I'm going to be taking my camper to Bethesda Chevy Chase High School. And, and then we'll be leaving from there. Is that the Madden Cruiser now? Or are you yeah. going to have uh, you do interviews in there? <laughs> so then I'll be leaving from there and heading to Myrtle Beach for the week. And, you know, the good news is when I come back, I'm going to be well-rested and unstressed and be ready to go. Although I already know that I'll be in contact with uh, my entire coaching staff about, uh, yeah, and looking at film. Every practice is going to be filmed and downloaded so that I can watch it, you know, while my wife is reading her book and sitting on the beach and or by the pool. So, uh uh, she's already been warned. I'm sure that I'm going to be on a lot of phone calls. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a work. That'll be a working vacation, but not a bad backdrop to to do it in. Uh, but I mean, you speak to that though about all the technology that's available today. And, and, Co- and coach, I have to ask you. Uh, do you have an actual paper playbook anymore, or is everything electronic for the kids? So w- I don't give playbooks to the kids. <clears throat> we because of our thank system, God he gave me one. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, everything's on huddle. We will give them uh, portions of it as we install it and things that they need to know. Because we found out over the years, if you give them too much too early, that they're flipping to page twelve instead of worried about page one, which they need to be focused on. But most of our stuff is all electronic. Uh, we do do print it. We do printouts on Mondays. He said do do do. <laughs> we do do printouts on Mondays, but um, to give them, you know, the scouting sheets and uh, the install schedule of what we're doing that week for for Monday's practice. They'll either get that on Saturday morning or on Monday. Uh, but for 7 on 7, you absolutely do need a paper playbook because there's a lot of kids that have not been a part of the program, so you're telling them what the play call is, and then they're seeing what their assignment is based off that call. So a lot of pictures and diagrams for 7 on 7. And I like pictures, so um, I need pictures. You know, Mike, one thing that I've found, and, you know, I've always talked about James McCormick in in North Carolina High School and the way that they run practices, and I've always been impressed, and I've always said I think that is what has built the success. I was there coaching for six years on the JV program, and my last year was an unbeaten year. That's why I stepped away, because I'd never lose another game. But, well, now that subject's changed. But, you know, the thing is that watching them and the way that they taught things, my staff was still only three people. You know, yeah, we practiced with the varsity, but my JV staff was only three. I've come on board with, with Easton, and, you know, this is where Caroline County needs to catch up. You know, they limit how many coaches you can have. Easton, is as long as you're taking care of the background checks and things like that, it's all about building these kids and making it better for the kids. And the more coaches that you can have hands-on that know what they're doing, the better your program's going to be. 
and I think I've got like five, five or six assistants on, on my staff, which is for like JV. That's impressive. for JV exactly. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I have Kelly, who is a uh, she's a teacher there at the school. She's uh, my my paid assistant. Yeah, I've got uh, uh, I've got my goodness, I've got LaBelle. I've got uh, Lincoln's is you know stopped by and helped some Barnhart. Uh, we've got Foster and we've got Lee McGuckin. Uh, yeah, McGuckin as well. So I mean. Look in there, and hell, I'll take another one if somebody wants to come out. Because you know, after all, it's all about trying to teach these kids. Well, I'm excited. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the, the traditional model was, and back when I played, and here, look, I went to a private school in the '90s, but we did not have the amount of coaches. The traditional model was a head coach, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and uh, and a guy that did special teams or kind of backed up those coordinators, and and maybe one of the other coordinators also handled special teams. But it was about four coaches. And I know just a couple years later, after I had graduated and I coached one year uh, with uh, with my head coach, and then there was a coaching change, and Coach Robinson who came in. Uh, that the, we have position coaches. I mean, everything changed. This was back in 2000, and we have position coaches, and you're seeing that more, uh, obviously, today, much, much more over the years, over the last 20-plus years. You've seen where staffs have have really ballooned up, uh, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, the, the more individual attention that uh, these kids can get, uh, certainly uh, the better. And, and Matt, or Coach, you know, as a head coach, to have these guys to be able to assist during the offseason as well, uh, is a huge help because you, you need all hands on deck. You can't handle it all yourself. Oh, ab- absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to have 16 total on staff this year between JV and varsity. And <clears throat> 16 coaches. That's right. And, you know, wow. we have a ton of, uh, you know, community coaches. So there, we have a couple teachers, uh, Lee McGuckins and Kelly Vantries, Pat McGlinchey. They're all in house. Uh, besides that, it's all community coaches that are volunteering their time. And when you want to talk about building a program and putting it in the right place, you're in the weight room three, four days a week, uh, starting as soon as the season's over. So when it's only three or four guys doing it, you can get burnt out really quick. Uh, the great thing about us so far this year, uh, we're, we're doing the weight room, and I got different coaches showing up on different nights so that it's not the same person there every night by themselves and doing different things. And, you know, you start breaking the offense and defense down that we run, it's a little different, more individual. Our practice schedule is probably different than what maybe Mark used to see at Carolina on how we break down our individual and then to groups and, the, you know, the indie to group and then to even specialized things, whether it's screen game or whatever it may be. It's pretty much identical, actually. Yeah, well, there you yeah. go before we get to team. So you start teaching receivers, you know, your outside receivers are different than your slot receivers. They're doing different things. And, you know, if you're coaching, you're a DB coach, are you the corners coach or the safeties coach? You know, if you have a, a wealth of coaches, you can start breaking things down because techniques are a little different in those positions. Which is very interesting, and I'm, I, that's another reason why I'm so excited to to be able to do this and participate. We'll continue this conversation with Matt Griffith from Easton High School. After this, it's Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. This portion of the Time Out with Short Sports podcast is brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center. 
providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. So, you know, Mike, I, I said this was a, uh, a poorly kept secret because, you know, I've been... Uh, I went to a seven-on-seven, the Under Armour seven-on-seven over at Northeast High School uh, last month, I guess it was. And then uh, uh, we had our first seven-on-seven at Ken Island uh, this past Tuesday, uh, a week ago, in fact. Uh, No, I'm sorry. It was um, Wednesday. Wednesday, a week ago. And uh, got an opportunity to see Ken Island, Queen Anne's. Uh, Caroline's Varsity was there, and uh, Ann Easton took JV and Varsity. Well, they took Varsity, and then, like, <laughs> we, we had, like, six players um, for JV. Because, you know, it's just something that you, you still got all-star baseball stuff going on and things like that, and it just it's tough to try and get some kids out. But, yeah, I didn't have a quarterback. Um, yeah, I had a tight end that we said, hey, you're going to play quarterback. We actually, we had we got there, and we had throw tryouts. All right, who can throw a ball? So the prettiest spiral won, and uh, that was our quarterback. So, yeah, we (laughs) (laughs) For seven on seven, no quarterback. Yeah. So so our tight end actually was a quarterback, and uh, I think that's where I'm projecting him to end up being anyway, as a tight end when the season gets here. But, yeah, he ended up being a quarterback, and he threw some touchdown passes. We competed, and, you know, I, I was impressed, and we saw some good things. You know, Griffith afterwards just how to go. Oh, it was terrible. You don't want none of these kids, you know, because, <laughs> you know, as a JV, that's one thing that you know. You don't know what you're going to have because they've got some talent in the freshman and sophomore class that I'm probably not going to get to coach because they'll probably end up being a starter on varsity. Well, and that's and that's a change from years ago. Is that you know a lot of freshmen and sophomores uh, would even as talented as they are would have at least one year on JV, and then if they were that good, they play three on varsity. But those uh, those times are over. I mean, if they're uh, if they're that talented, uh, they're up on the varsity. Hey, coach, I, I don't know your philosophy. I mean, certainly I got to think that if you've got freshmen and sophomores, especially freshmen up on varsity, that you want to make sure that they're playing because if they're, uh, and I understand there's certainly a um, you know, something to be said for practicing with varsity and all that, but I've got to think that you want them to at least play to a certain extent or else it might be better for them to get a lot more playing time on the JV. I, I don't bring a, a freshman up to varsity <clears throat> unless they're going to play. And that that's yeah. got to be yeah. a – the only time that's ever happened was they were the backup quarterback. And that's because we didn't gotcha. have anybody else. You know, sure, um, sure. there'll be some sophomores that you know earn playing time and different things. But if they're not going to play, they need to be down on JV, getting as much playing time and reps as they can. And we'll bring them up, uh, you mm-hmm. know, throughout the year when when the timing's right or they've you know progressed or we have a need for it. But there's uh, the class that's coming in this year. Mark's going to be blessed with some talent. There's uh, there's a lot of kids that can play and that have played. Um, there's a good group coming back that are freshmen, going to be sophomore. Um, and you know, I'll tell you, you know, to your to your point, it's changed. But the numbers that come out for football, you know, when I played, we had 45 to 60 kids on varsity. Um, now, you know, you're you're blessed if you get 30 to 35. That's a big roster yeah. around here. So, I think last year we were doing games and we were counting players, and even the big, you know, the schools that have 18 dominant, to 23, yeah, mm-hmm. dominant programs. You know, I think the one the one game we counted, Queen Anne's had like 25 kids on the sideline for a varsity game, and they were a good football team. So, you know, there's those things change, and they take a, a precedence of it. And Mark's been really good of already recognizing because sometimes when you hire a new JV coach, you got to educate him about how the process works of 
There is no right. JV championship at the end of the year. We're just getting these kids ready for the next level. And he, he came in already knowing that from his experience, which was one of the main reasons that, you know, I had that crazy idea of let's do this again, Potter yeah. and Griffith on the same staff, you know. so <laughs> Yeah, because it goes all the way back. So, you know, Griffith and I, we, we have a history together. Um, because he, when I started the Tidewater Titans, I suckered him in as a coach uh, <laughs> to run the Pee Wee program. And he did that for a couple of years and ended up uh, winning a, a championship, region, a, yeah. a region championship. And, you know, that first year um, in 2007, he goes, hey, I have a volunteer position on my basketball squad at North Carolina. And you can come, you know, be my assistant coach there at North Carolina. So I said, ah, what the heck? So I went over there and, and I got paid in gift cards um, as for a volunteer thing. And it worked out really good. Uh, the wife liked it, made her happy. And uh, that was the year that North Carolina uh, won the Bayside, uh, you know, North Bayside title. And I think we had to go play, I can't remember, Pocomoke. Or Played Pocomoke down at Salisbury yeah, University. At Salisbury yeah. University. And uh, he made me, you know, him and I had to dress up as women because mm. he made some promise to the basketball team that if we won the North Bayside, yeah, we dress up as women and go out to dinner with them. To lunch, yeah. Mm. So we did that. I won't do that anymore, no yeah. I promise. Wow. I, I don't know that I remember. Maybe you told that story one other time, but I have forgotten about that. I yeah. have amnesia. So um, so <laughs> the plan was Griffith was going to stay there. Well, you know, with his kids getting older at that time, you know, he gave the typical you know, coach retirement speech, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Um, so he stepped away. And that's what led me into taking over and began a 12-year process of coaching girls basketball at North Carolina High School. So I did uh, eight years there and four years at St. Peter and Paul. But that's how I got into coaching. So And then I ended up uh, coaching, you know, other sports as well there, North Carolina, baseball, softball, and football. And uh, six years as a JV coach there with uh, James McCormick and Colin Joseph and Jody Hyde. And, you know, he was talking about the kids that, you know, you, you got to get them ready to play at the varsity level, you know. And one of the things, you know, Jamion Franklin and David Bailey came in in the same year. Jamion was moved right up to varsity. And, uh, you know, with no ifs, ands, or buts. And Bailey probably could have been, too, but they decided to let Bailey play on JV for, I think, two or three games. It, it was three, because and I'm going to tell you why. So we played them early in the season, and I was at the JV game, Easton and Carolina, and I was like, oh, my God, who is this kid? Yeah. And thankfully, we didn't have to play him on Friday night. That was great. So, But we, we recognized that very early, and uh, yeah. it was wow. Yeah, because Bailey scored, you know, it was... He had five touchdowns against Easton that day. Yes, he did. Yeah, because <laughs> wow. it was like, I mean, it, I just called... It, it was real simple. Instead of, you know, call a you know a 124-guard trap or anything, it was just, hey, pitch the ball to Bailey right. Pitch the ball to Bailey left. And they, and they was just, he was a man among boys. And then he was quickly moved up to varsity. But... You know, when you have that level of talent, um, you know, it it makes your job a little easier. But at the same time, one man is not what you're preparing to get to the next level. You're trying to prepare all of them. And, you know, Coach, I'll ask you, I mean, what kind of numbers are you expecting for Easton High School this year for varsity and for JV? I think we're actually going to have a pretty good turnout because we have a, a 37 Signed up at the middle school, and out of the 37, 28 of them 
played Pop Warner or mm-hmm. youth football for one of the organizations. Right. I, I see us being in the 75-ish to okay. 80 range. So, Total. Yeah, there's going to be a nice a nice number to have roughly 30-some on varsity and probably about 30 on JV. Which will make fun. So yeah, Coach McGlinchey last year had told me uh, when I went out there that that there was a big freshman class coming in the the following year. So uh, that's uh, that certainly helps. So that's a good number. It's a good number to have in the seventies. There, it is for sure. And I'm, even the last couple of years I was there, we were in the high sixties and would touch seventy. And I think last year they even got into the seventies, and it was heavy on the varsity side because uh, I think they graduated twenty two or twenty three kids last year. We'll talk about the coaching atmosphere when we come back. On, on the uh, Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Yes, we'll have more on that next. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical galleria. Hard to believe it was 2015, the last time I had my eye exam and replaced my glasses. But now you have hooked me up with some amazing glasses for everyday use. The OVO frames are so lightweight and durable. We have one hanging with a 45-pound weight holding the weight up by the frame. Very durable, lightweight, fashionable. And it's a challenge for me because you said even I could not destruct them. They are very, very durable frames. It's lightweight, strongest frames I've ever had in the store, but very comfortable and stylish. They look good on me, and that's what's important because I need all the help I can get just to look good. An optical galleria. West Water Street in Centerville, Harrison Street in Easton, and in the Tealmarsh Plaza in West Ocean City. You can pick up the phone and give them a call at 443-262-9415. Or always online at eisenart.net. This portion of the podcast sponsored by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. So one of the things, you know, Mike, you've been around Coach McGlinchey, and yeah, I don't know if you've spent much time around uh, the uh, Coach Griffith here, but McGlinchey's kind of a laid-back guy, okay? Well, <laughs> Griffith's not. Um, yeah, no, I, I knew that there were contrasting styles there. We <laughs> talked about that with, with Coach McGlinchey back during the COVID year uh, when we talked about the differences there. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is, I think that's one thing that the players are going to have to get used to, um, you know, is the, the way of being held accountable. McGlinchey would hold him accountable, but it's the way – of being held accountable that they're going to have to get used to because Griffith, I think you'll agree that you, you, you're a little more stern, I guess you could say. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a c- c- Pat is a great guy, and we're cut from two different cloths. Um, you know, you can you don't always have to follow the same you know pattern or not, but. Uh, thus far, they've they've learned that it's going to be different um, <laughs> in the weight room. It's different. Uh, it's a mentality, right? So you know we're trying to become mentally prepared and tough for what's going to happen come the season, and it starts now. And when you have folks that haven't been challenged to that level yet, there's some you know there's a little button heads, but I, I promise my head's harder than anybody else's. We're going to butt, so we're going to get through it. <laughs> we've we've already seen some progress. I Some think, wet spots on the gym floor. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're uh, they're learning about the sweat equity they're putting in now is going to pay off. And you know, quite frankly, if you're not here, I don't know who you are. So I mean, that's that's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, yeah. you can just imagine the, the culture and the way it's it's going to be different. And and it's funny because 
McCormick and, and Griffith are two different guys. But in a sense, they're the same because they both, they want instantaneous results, you know, and, and an adjustment. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I tell you don't do it that way, they're not going to wait for you to do it that way a second time. It's not acceptable. They want it. This is the way to do it. And we're going to show you the way it's done. And this is the way you, you do it. And and I've had an opportunity to see that, you know, up close and personal with McCormick and now Griffith. And, you know, it, it was funny when we were at the seven on seven uh, at uh, Ken Island. I saw Sofanowski as he was leaving. I rolled up next to him and he goes, uh-huh. I guess now we're going to see it. It'll be now all about Easton and their favorability and, and the favorable causes. And no, coach, it's not. It's going to be just like it was in North Carolina. He says, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but I did. I, I reassured him. And I'll reassure all the coaches. And Griffith can be here to back it up. You know, my deal with McCormick was I had no Friday night responsibilities. And when I did an interview with a coach, McCormick didn't ask me anything about it. And, you know, and I wasn't involved in the in the varsity game plan for North Carolina, so there was nothing that I needed to know. I knew what the plan was because I got the same plan for JV, but at the same time, you know, I, I wasn't as involved with the game planning for the uh, for the uh, varsity as I was with the JV. And, you know, Griffith and I had that same, same deal. And, you know, and it makes it a lot more comfortable for me in, in in doing our Friday night duties. Yeah, I mean, we, you've been doing this a long time, and you know, we I've been on the flip side when you were at Caroline, and I've never had any concerns. You know, I, I would always tease you though, and never send you my starting lineup until later that yeah, you know, that he, morning. But uh, yeah, just to have I, some I get fun. it. And Griff, I need it by nine o'clock so I can have it printed off and everything up before I leave here at ten ten thirty. And all right, I'll get it to you. And sure enough, nine fifty <laughs> here it comes, and it's already printed. You know, it's already. I don't have to do anything. It's ready to be printed. But it was like just you know, <laughs> waiting for the release. Well. He, Here's, here's something I want to know. You're talking about all these seven-on-sevens. Why is Ken Island and North Carolina in seven-on-sevens? There's no need. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I got to watch both of them play last week uh, against us. And... Uh, obviously, I'm saying that as a joke yeah. to those guys. But obviously, you know, they, they have uh, a run-first, run-second mentality. So. L- yeah. Listen, I, I'm with you. I, we played North Carolina first game. And I, I haven't had Kevin O'Connor at any of the seven-on-sevens because of college visits and then a vacation. And So we were there and uh, w- without Kevin last week. And we played Caroline the first night, and they got this kid. He's like six three, running around throwing the ball everywhere. And I went, "What in the heck is going on?" You know, like, okay, that's not the wing T set they just ran. What, what? Okay, so, but no, it's it's the seven on seven thing does some great stuff, not just for the teams that like to throw the ball a little bit more. And we're going to be more run heavy this year than we have been in the past. So it's it's good to get out there and just kind of get into the groove of things. So, well, that now now is that that's some breaking news. Uh, either that or that's a that, that's a yeah that, that's a you're being coy or you're you're uh, trying to mislead the other teams. There. <laughs> now, that was just a big cookie hanging out there for anybody who wants to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, I've got to ask you two questions. One is since you have so many assistant coaches, what is the area that you find yourself kind of, or what area will you be digging into uh, when you're coaching there? Is there a particular position group that you're going to be kind of hovering around? or taking uh, control of uh, when you're coaching? Water cooler. <laughs> now, are you going to be an overseer or are you going to get your hands dirty? I, I am going to be an overseer, but I'll, I'll deal with quarterbacks. 
Um, you know, it's a position I've never played, um, but uh, you know, I've, I've several good teachers. Um, I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna work with the quarterbacks, and uh, and then when we get over on defense, really, I'm just kind of an overseer there because LaBelle will have the line, uh, Foster's gonna have the linebackers, and I think uh, McGuckin. McGuckin's got the DBs and, uh, and and special teams. So, you know, I'll just kind of be able to just oversee. And uh, LaBelle's going to call the uh, defensive plays, and uh, you'll have uh, Kelly's going to help out with the line. So, you know, I'll, if, I, if I go anywhere, it would probably be to the linebackers uh, just because I spent so much time with, uh, with Jody Ward at, at linebackers and, and with running backs and a little bit with James with the uh, quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, keep in mind, I've been out of football for like six years. Yeah, I guess it has been that long. So yeah, I'm, I mean, you've been doing basketball, but not football. Yeah, yeah. and I've been, you know, and, and I've probably, I don't know, I've spent a lot of time on Huddle looking at that. I mean, the playbooks are on Huddle now and all this stuff. It's Huddle's changed, and uh, it is so much easier to sit down at night now and and look at Huddle and look at the playbooks and then turn around and, and go and try and find some plays on the varsity side of things where they run those plays. Because JV, they might have been called, but they could never run them. But, you know, it's because it was JV. Um, but, you know, it was uh, – it's changed a lot. But – and I'm really looking forward to getting into that. You know, you mentioned the seven-on-sevens, and, and I was talking about last week with uh, uh, Sofanowski. Uh, Queen Anne, now, you know, this isn't a knock on Al Waters or anything. I don't know what they look like on varsity, but the JV team looked like they'd been practicing all summer long. I mean, <laughs> they were like, you know, they had a quarterback that was throwing dimes. They they had kids that were like six foot three. I don't know what they're feeding them over in Queen Anne's County, but holy hell, um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, they're running, they're running a hurry up offense, <laughs> and, and, you know, wow. for for JV Hi. and seven on seven. Times of uh, times have changed. I mean, that's you know, uh, we'll uh, yeah, we'll see how much that gets implemented. But wow, well, you uh, like this part. because you're you're big on billboard material, right? So, and so as soon no, as people the, take my stuff and make a billboard right. material. Yes, <laughs> so, we do. Yes. <laughs> so the first, uh, as soon as the uh, um, uh, as soon as the announcement was made, okay, that I was coming back. I got a congratulatory text from Rock, who's the JV coach. He says, congrats, coach. See you on 10-6. I said, thanks, buddy. Damn, you already circled the date. I mean, (laughs) he says, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, you know, it's like, my goodness. So, yeah, it's... Well, what's the date in which you play North? You guys play North Carolina because I'm just curious. Have you circled that date as a home or away? And and uh, how are you going to feel if it's away? How are you going to feel stepping onto the field? Oh, it okay. is away. It is away because okay. Easton will be hosting North Carolina in varsity. Uh, I have no idea what the date is. Um, and it, you haven't looked at the date for Easton and North Carolina, really? You know what? I've looked at one date. I now know ten six because Rock told me September first. We are at Ken Island at six o'clock at night. All right. My number one concern: it's Thursday night. Why are they making us play at six? Because that means I'm not going to get home until at least nine thirty, <laughs> and I got to get up three thirty the next morning. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> yeah, but no, that's the only date that I honestly. I know wow. September first we have um, we're at Ken Island. September eighth we host Southern. I only know that because I had scheduled Griffith to say, "Hey, we don't have a week two game. Can we play them?" And he put it all together. So nice. yeah, so that's I would have thought yeah I would have thought you would have circled that day. So what's it going to be like though when you do play at North Carolina, coaching on the other side and the sidelines? What that what's that going to be like for you? It'll be different, buddy. It'll be different. I just lifted up my sleeve and showed Griffith the bulldog with the Sabres arrows underneath <laughs> oh, my tattoo that I had. It'll it'll be different. Um, we'll, we'll be scheduled an appointment to get some spears put on there somewhere. <laughs> so, um, but now it, it will be different because I still have a love for North Carolina. It's been so many years there. You know, you figure I was there from 2007 to the spring of 2020. And, you know, it uh, uh, but, hey, I'm a warrior now. This is where my kids went. You know, and I honestly, I never thought I'd be coaching at, at Easton High School or even St. Michael's High School. I didn't think Tulsa County would ever allow me to coach here. You just needed the <laughs> right guy, you know, yeah. working out the deal for you. That's yeah. all. It there t- you go. That's right. It that's took, right. It took yeah. Kelly Griffith retiring, you know, <laughs> for me to be able to come in and coach. Uh, no, you know, it's funny, and I'll, I'll give you a little hint. So when uh, uh, when I went in for my interview, when Griffith told uh, the athletic director, Chris Hoffman, says, hey, I, I want to hire Mark Potter. She goes, we need to talk. So I came in, and I sat down with Chris and, and Griffith, and uh, she says, the one thing that we got to make sure is you watch what you say. Yeah, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> so, and she proceeded to lay out, I guess this came from up above, of all the things that I ever said for, you know, for the schools. But, you know, just they want me to be kinder, kinder and not, not really gentler. I can still report facts, but, you know, make sure I have my sources backed up. How's that? So, Understood. Yeah. 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 And, and and you can't do the Winx FM morning show uh, at practice. So. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, it's funny you say that because we have two two-a-days this year. So, so. We'll work it right on in the schedule <laughs> during right. the water breaks. <laughs> exactly. This portion of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank, serving the Mid-Shore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they have money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to queenstownbank.com. Now, I'm just, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, and I'd say I'm thankful. I'm thankful to Griffith, but I'm also thankful, you know, to Chris Hoffman and Tauba County Public Schools for, you know, bringing me on board and, and let me have a go in a town that I've lived in since 2002. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I started the Titans here. I was with the Braves for a year, and I was with Caroline Cougars for a year. And, you know, it's it's going to be fun. And all of those people are all grown up and moved on now. And uh, this is a new batch of youngsters. And, uh, you know, looking forward to kind of getting started with them. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be there a while, and, you know, Davon Armstrong's kid will be playing for us or something. I mean, there's a good possibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, if they've got his speed. But, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's a lot of fun. I want to get back on the 7-on-7 the seven seven part that we were talking about. And this past uh, Saturday, you took your Easton squad, uh, the varsity, and some youngsters, just one group, and you went down to Decatur in Berlin 
for a seven on seven. It turned out it was just the two teams. Yeah, it was something we, you know, I guess I got a call from uh, Coach Croto and Coach Coleman uh, about two weeks ago. Said they had something on the schedule. It kind of got canceled. They're looking to do something this this past Saturday. And wanted to know if we'd make the trip down. And we were hoping to get more kids to be able to do, you know, some JV, some varsity, uh, the younger and the older, and kind of split them up. But then the weather started playing havoc on us. And we ended up taking just a mixed group of kids down. And I'll be honest with you, we had a blast. Uh, We got a lot of work in. We ended up leaving Easton High School at 625 in the morning uh, just so we could try to beat the rain. We got down there, overcast. Got out on the field, started playing around 8.30, and we were done a little before 10, but when it started to rain really hard. But in that in those sessions, uh, this was also the first time I had Kevin with us for 7-on-7, seven seven, which was good. Uh, we were missing a couple, you know, returning players that have an opportunity to start again at receiver and some other things. But we got to see some younger kids, too, um, do some things. And Jake was great. Uh, we had a format, 12 minutes of offense, and then you flipped it 12 minutes of defense. And we did that three times. And then after that, we went into what we called goal line from the 10, five plays with first group, five plays second group, and mixed them in. And it was a really good time, and it was nice to see Luke uh, Murgott and Kevin O'Connor compete against each other, the two Duke commits. Took a picture at the end of the day, sent it off to, you know, to the Duke coaching staff and posted it out there. And it was good competition. I think they got a lot of work out of it. I got a couple of Texas thanking us for the trip. And uh, we, we also thank them for uh, you know, inviting us down because we got to get a lot of work in. Well, and two teams that uh, throw the football just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I felt a little uh, unprepared because it was just myself, Coach McGlinchey, and uh, my defense. One of my defense coordinators, Jake Fowler, it was just three of us, and uh, Decatur had like eighteen coaches there. Yeah, <laughs> including their newest uh, defense coordinator, uh, Todd Apple, who used to be at Fort Hill and then went to Snow Hill. Now he's at Decatur along with Jake and Russ and Jeff so that Herrick. is official now. Yeah, uh, you, know, you yeah. and I predicted that it's last year. It's it's official. So yeah, well we well we yeah now he's on the defense and again I I believe that he was always on the more on the offensive side uh, for Fort Hill but now coaching defense so that that's interesting but uh, he's the only high school head coach that I know of and frankly among any any level uh, but locally in high school that uh, coached from the press box. You know, state championship games I covered, he coached from the press box. He He did not coach from the sideline. He was really sick, I think, the one year. It wasn't every year he did that, right? No, I think, I I, I believe it was every year. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I'll stand corrected, but I think that was something that I heard about him that, uh, and because I'd have to wait a little bit longer for the interviews that that he coached from the press box, not from the sideline. But uh, maybe it was just for an illness thing, but I, I I thought I was told that, no, that was something he does. Um, regularly, so that's interesting. Griffith did that on the year that he was the offensive coordinator for Easton. He'd go sit in the press box because he could have a fan. He could be fed bonbons, and, <laughs> and you know, and they'd have uh, his wife would be up there fanning fanning him with those big old fig leaves and stuff like that. So I'm kind of thinking, I'm, I'm hoping that's what I get this year. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a huge advantage for being up there, you know, calling the offense. You get to see so much more. The first year I was stayed on as the uh, OC after you know stepping down from head coach. I did it the whole year. The second year I was only up there for about four games because then I was needed to be on the sideline yeah. for some stuff. So it's it, and you do miss more even with the huddle sideline on the iPad. You just don't have as much time. You get to see a, a heck of a lot more. And you know the the key is getting the right people in the booth for you, so you don't have to worry about being up there. Uh, you bring up huddle sideline. Does JV get to use huddle sideline? Do we have that? 
I'll have to look. I, yeah. I, I know we have access to it, just like we have access to the tendency reports. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice now. You talk about huddle. You send off a scout film. You have it back within 12 hours, and it breaks down every play they ran, the formation, left, did they go right, did they have motion, uh, all the way through. It saves you a lot of time from the old way I used to do, mm-hmm. when you have to draw the quadrants on your paper and <laughs> right. put this wow. in and put that down. So, yeah, your, your, your film time, you get a lot more done, put it to you that way. Yeah. Coach, you brought it up though, and I've been in. I, I did both when I coached um, with the quarterbacks and assistant offensive coordinator about being on the sideline. Obviously, as a head coach, you know you're going to be on the sideline. But as being an offensive or defensive coordinator and being up in the booth is compared to being in the sideline. And yeah, obviously you could see a lot more up in the booth. But I, for me. There was always something, though, about being there on the field. And I just, I think if I had my druthers of the two, I'd still rather be on the field than up in the booth because up in the booth, I just feel so removed from things, uh, even though, again, you get a better vantage point. But I'm curious about your thoughts on that. No, it it is different. I I prefer the sideline as well. Uh, There was a need for me to be up there, and it made more sense. Plus, I was just stepping down as the head coach, so I wanted to let. Uh, McGlinchey and the rest of the folks, you know, kind of set their sideline the way they needed to set it. Um, you know, now uh, you can't if if I'm in the booth and you're on the sideline for me, like, you can't stress my intensity level and portray it the same way if I'm there having that conversation right. with a player. And that's that's the biggest right. miss <clears throat> from being in the booth. So there's the, some positive and there's some cons as well. But now you know it's uh, I'd much rather be on the sideline. The plays seem a lot faster and quicker and everything that's going on and you can see things you know a lot more live versus being up there and sitting in the press box talking with matt griffith head coach of easton high school and uh, if you missed the breaking news and you jumped in in the middle of this well yeah i'm back on the sideline as well i'm going to be the jv head coach for the program this uh, final portion of the podcast is sponsored by chop tank community health now's the time to make your yearly health and dental appointments call to schedule in any of their locations in st michael's easton cambridge denton goldsboro or federalsburg or go to choptankhealth.org for more information. Chop Tank Health, come see how healthy you can be. So uh, my goal this year, I've invited, I didn't even tell you this, Griffith. I guess this is the best time. Um, I've invited the officials to come out and uh, be a part of the JV practices uh, this year to, to help train their youngsters. Because, uh, Mike, just so you know, um, I found out, well, Griffith told me that he got the uh, officials back from the Bayside. So Bayside officials will be back. And then in talking to some of the Bayside officials, they told me that Queen Anne's and Kent Island were also told that they will have to get Bayside officials this year because the group across the bridge doesn't have enough people to supply officials for the Eastern Shore. So everybody is going to be using Bayside officials this year. So as of a couple weeks ago, or probably about a month and a half, two months ago, we made a decision that we wanted to go back to Bayside. Then we received a letter shortly after that stating that there could be issues and only wanted to send five people for a crew versus having a six-man crew. And we had already made the change, but I was under the impression Canal and Queen Anne's were still going to stay with with COG. So that's news. Evidently, they didn't have a choice. Mm. So uh, that means that uh, the Bayside, which then that led me to question the talent of availability for officials. And I said, obviously, they're going to have, you know, for Thursday night games, they'll have some you know, rather raw officials. So I immediately volunteered my team to have the officials come out because I'm trying to, I want to build that love relationship with the officials and, uh, you know, so that they can come out and they can 
teach and learn, you know, at our practices because it'll be good for our kids as well to have them there. They don't have to be there for the whole thing, but, you know, towards the end, the team part of it, and uh, and they can educate their younger officials uh, with our practices as well. Yeah, you know, Bob Cannon, he does a great job, and I'm glad to see he's still uh, going to be in charge of the Bayside officials, but they'll be at our first scrim or our second scrimmage when we host Laurel. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, I asked, invited him as well to come down, talk to the kids about the rule changes. There's a couple significant ones. One that you know I'm really excited about, finally a quarterback can get out of the pocket now and throw the ball away and it not be intentional grounding in high school, right. which is huge for us when you, when you throw the ball as many times as we do. Um, but they do a nice job, and they should come down, and they're going to go through it all with us. And uh, they're invited anytime they want to come to our practices for varsity and JV. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's good stuff. But you, does that excite you, Mike, about the, uh, the new rule change for the quarterback being able to throw it away? Well, I think with the advent of the passing game into the high school ranks, uh, and and it took a little bit of more time on the in the base side. But yeah, I, I think that's something that's definitely needed and uh, catching up with the time. So yeah, that's good to good to hear. Any predictions yet, Coach, for uh, the 2022 season that begins August 10th? So as to you know, I don't know what uh, you know an Eastern record. Predictions are we're going to practice on August the 10th. Yeah. We're going to try to get 1% better. How's that sound for you? <laughs> no. well, coach, who are your guys? So who's your non I mean, fill me in first. I'm sorry, because I know you, you mentioned them, but just uh, consolidate it here. So who do you guys scrimmage in total um, this uh, this spring? Or the, excuse me, this summer? Yep, so the first week we're going over to Bethesda, Chevy Chase. So BC football team will be there. Parkdale and Springbrook. That's uh, okay. the first weekend. Second weekend, we're hosting Laurel out of PG County, who uh, mm-hmm. I believe was state semifinalist last year. They got a bunch of returning players um, coming over to do a more game-like scrimmage on that Friday night. And then we uh, open up the following week against Ken Allen at home. And then who's your non-conference opponents? I know there are many, but is it? did you mention Southern? So Southern will play JV in week two. We do not on varsity have – uh, that non-conference. We actually play Kent County okay. again this year. Now, that will change for the following year. We will have an open week. We will not play Kent County uh, the following year, either in week one or week two. Us and Y High are, are looking for games, and it looks like we're getting close to locking in a game with uh, Seifert for, with Mark Quillen there that used to be up at uh, Tech and uh, yes. possibly yeah. scheduling them for our week one for the next two years. And then, well, and you know, Mark knows how I feel about scheduling Bayside and Henlopen Conference teams. I think that's great, and I, I'd love to see more of it where where you can do it. I know, obviously, with the reduction to nine games, that makes it tougher. And looking at the Eastern schedule for the rest of the year, I just brought it up. Uh, they uh, they host Y High on the 16th. They go to Parkside on the 23rd. That's the game that you're going to be doing, actually. Um, I don't know if you're going to be in the booth or if you're going to be here uh, in the studio, but uh, Parkside at Parkside on the 23rd. Uh, they host North Carolina on the 30th. Uh, Friday, October 7th, they're at Queen Anne's. Uh, Easton homecoming against Bennett on the 14th. Uh, senior night against Decatur on the 21st. And then they'll wrap up the year at Cambridge on Friday, October 28th. So, so. You, you talk about predictions. Yeah, Here's what I will tell you. From what I've learned thus far, we have a couple you know, really good kids that are, are going to be some really good players for us. Um, we got we're working on the leadership piece. I got three kids right now, and Kevin O'Connor and Toby McCall and um, Jordan Nixon that have really taken on an ownership of the leadership piece of it, and they're doing a very nice job of getting uh, the rest of the group on the same process as we talk about culture and uh, changing things. Um, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be one of those teams that uh, I, I think we're gonna be 
pretty good early on, but we're going to get better as the year goes on. We're going to be that team that needs to play some more games, learn some different processes, and we need to be, you know, that adversity, right? What happens when you, you know, what do they say? Until you get punched in the mouth, you don't know how you're going to react, right? right? So until we start getting some live bullets in that process, you know, who knows? And we put pads on, but we're seeing a lot of good, positive things. Um, a lot of younger kids, like I said, some of the freshmen are coming in are very impressive. Um, are they mature enough to play at the next level? Or are they going to have to spend a year to mature? You know, we're, we're going to play it by ear, but we're, we're going to be, uh, you know, the same as I've always been when I've coached. We're going we're gonna, to, whoever plays is going to know they played us. We're going to give them all we got. And uh, if they have any better than us than that night, then congratulations to them. But they're going to at least know who they played. I think he went seven and three of the year. Seven and three the first year he told me we're, we're not going to win a game. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the way it is. But that's cool. I mean, that's your coach speak. Yep. It uh, is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, I want to close out with one more thing. Kevin O'Connor, we yeah. talked uh, a little bit ago about uh, him making his uh, commitment to Duke. I was hoping he'd do it on our podcast here, but he wanted to go ahead and make the announcement, which is fine. No hard feelings. Um, he had a lot of offers there. JMU was a good offer, which, uh, you know, great school, Virginia Tech. Originally offered from University Virginia. of Virginia, but that coach, that you know, was uh, changed and, you know, never really heard from the next coach. I guess he just didn't, you know, fit what they wanted. But there were other schools involved as well. Duke came on late, if I remember correctly, yeah, and he made the visit to Duke. And when he came back, you said, I don't know, I just got a feeling he's going to go Duke. Yeah, so Duke had not offered him until till late, till after his – they actually offered him the day he was there. Kevin had such a day on the testing and just performance of what he was doing, his 40 time, his vertical, his strength – the, the conversations and the Duke coaching staff was just really impressed with him, as they should be. He's, he is, he's a specimen. You look at him and Luke Murgott with teams. Yeah. Just look at her picture from this weekend. You're like, who's those two 25-year-old kids in the middle? You know, right. Who's those two 25-year-old guys with a bunch of kids around? Right. They're just different. They're man-child, right? right? So um, he came back. He had a different sound in his voice when he was talking to me. We talked about Maryland. We talked about all the... Military. Yeah, Maryland was the other one offered him. Yeah. Maryland, I mean, Army, you know, all the pro, all, all there, the Ivy League schools that all offered him, um, Coastal. Uh, there were several, I think it was over 15 total in, in D1 schools that, you know, gave him the offers. And, and Maryland wanted, you know, they were thinking tight end H-back. So there were schools early on that were talking, you know, hey, just the way you look with running the football and doing things, we want to get the ball in your hands. And Kevin really wants to play on the defensive side of it. And uh, Duke's scheme works out where he's going to be a little bit of an edge rush guy and be able to, you know, get in the flats. I'll tell you the one thing he really impressed me doing our seven on sevens and our drills. He covers better than I thought he could at being six foot four ish and 220 pounds. I mean, he, he can actually cover in the, in the flats and in space. He looks pretty good. Um, so it's very, very impressive. And Duke, you, can you get a better academic school to go right. to institutionally, yeah, right. you know, for your, your degree? As long so. as it's not engineering. I mean, he's, he's good. You there know? You go. If it's engineering, you went to the wrong school, Kevin, but you know, yeah, but so. you know, I, I, the first day I went into weight training, I told him, I said, Hey, I just talked to coach Price and you know, he'd love to have you. And he, and he said, yeah, I know, I know. And, you know, he, he seriously considered it. But in the end, he went Duke, which, I mean, listen, with all the offers he had, you know, I, I have to think that. And I think I heard you tell him this, you know, pick a school that if athletics doesn't work out, that you still want to go there. Yeah. I mean, I told my kids the same thing. If you don't go for a coach, don't go for the sport. If you couldn't play tomorrow, God, you know, God forbid, you, an injury, whatever it is, do you still want to go to that same school? Because that's why you're there. The, the football or whatever sport it is, that's secondary. That's the cherry on top. 
and uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna have a great time with it. I think he made a great choice. I'm happy for him and his family. I'm happy that the choice was made before the season got going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some big things. The coaching staff that's at Duke right now is doing some really good stuff, and they yeah. have uh, over 20-some recruits that are coming in and some high on the board. I know they got the young man out of Milford, too. I yeah. He's huge. Uh, he's well, I was just going to say, yeah, they've got a nice little following of Eastern Shore guys, and when you throw Franklin in the mix there. Uh, but, yeah, Elko, Mike Elko uh, came from Texas A&M as the D.C. under Jimbo Fisher. So that's uh, that's going to be right up his alley on the defensive side of things when you got a head coach that's a defensive guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's a good choice for him. Happy for him and his family. And that family's blessed. I mean, they got, I think, six kids. And yeah, that's a matter of fact, if they're listening, you ought to start working on another one. You know, <laughs> I mean, because we, we got Mike. You know, Mike will end up probably being my quarterback this year. Um, and we're going to try and work him. He doesn't know it yet. We're going to try and work him a little bit on defense as well and, and get him playing a little D. And uh, But but he is he's a pretty sharp quarterback. He's a lefty. So, uh, you know, looking forward to you know, getting to work with him a little bit. But I, I think we're running out of O'Connors. they gotta they got to reload here. I think they have one more after him, a younger one. Okay. Um, you know, right. Ryan's already at uh, Delaware, and James is now going to RPI, going to be a DB there, and Kevin going to Duke. So Mikey's the next one coming through. And then there's one more, I think, in sixth or seventh grade. Okay. Well, good. The, the yeah. O'Connors, it's time. You, you can go ahead. Keep working. <laughs> So, I mean, have they had to pay one dime of tuition to any of these schools? I mean, they're all. <laughs> I think they're all pretty. I think they're all pretty much taken care of. Yeah, because yeah. Not, not only are they good, uh, you know, athletically, they're Gosh. academics. Oh my God! I mean, they're 4.0 kids. Yeah. So yeah, you know. yeah, they could get academic scholarships if they want. Hey, coach, you mentioned Ryan real quick. Delaware had a head coaching change, as you know, in the last uh, six to eight months. Uh, an offensive guy, a, Del- a UD grad. Um, who uh, coached with a former UD coach uh, down at uh, what uh, I think Texas San Antonio? But um, I'm just curious how how is he doing? How is he adjusting there? An offensive minded head coach, though they they came in as well. Ryan, Ryan's doing very well. He's competing, and um, you know he's going to be. He kind of got a little bit of screwed over during the COVID because they had actually, they had eight quarterbacks on roster last year, and yeah, uh, yeah. majority of them were all scholarship kids. So it's getting a little bit better. He, he's competing right now for the second and third spot uh, out of the six or seven they still have on on roster. Um, he torched up the, uh, the the first D last year on Scout O a couple times, and I think caught some eyes from some different people. And he's done very well thus far. And uh, he's getting bigger and stronger. You can see I saw him at our seven on seven. Came up, gave me a big old hug, and it's like, man, you got taller and putting on a little more meat, and it looks good. So he's doing very well. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. It went a little longer than I thought it could. I guess that's what happens when you have good topics. So, yeah, you sit around and yeah. talk ball. We can do this yeah, all day. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> but some of us got to get back to work. And, of course, just Griffith, because Mike and I don't work. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Mr. Potter. <laughs> I, I got to go study a playbook. I got to learn, you know, yeah. all these different, because it's like, you know, they have animal calls. And, you know, it's like, what the hell? How am I going to remember this? I told Griffith, I said, I'm not signing in anything from the from the sidelines. I'm I'm, I'm sending a play in. So I said, because there's no way I can remember all this. I'm, I'm 55 years old. I can't remember this playbook. So, uh, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, well, listen, we appreciate everybody listening today, Mike. I, I hope you feel better and continue to uh, you know get well and get back here in the studio next week with us. Yeah, already on the men, so looking forward to it. That's good. And Griffith, I, I guess I'll be seeing your weight room a little bit later on. So. Yes, sir. Yeah, I swear, you know, he says, yeah, we're going to pay you this great salary. and But what he didn't tell you is, hell, you got 
football's not just in the fall in the fall I mean, how we've been doing weight room, and you know, so and then and then he starts wanting to have these coaches' meetings. It's like, good God! So I'm, I'm hoping I get a raise before the season starts. The, the increase is you get to spend more time with me. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to start feeding me, I think. So, but anyway, thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. Make sure you share. Uh, we'll start getting more active back on ShoresportsMD.com as well. Uh, good luck to all the all-star baseball and softball teams that are continuing to play that are going on right now. And August 10th is the start of tryouts for all the fall sports, but uh, for me especially for football. So uh, make sure you get those physicals taken care of and get them in as well because you will not be able to practice at any school here on the Bayside without your physicals. For Coach Griffith and Mike Bradley, I'm Mark Potter saying so long. Thanks for tuning in to Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.